Folks, you know I always have the heavy hitters come on the show. And this lady, you know, we met through at a party at a Live Baltimore birthday bash a couple years ago. We just had a conversation and <clears throat> her friends were like, oh, it's Aaron, the podcast guy. And, you know, it was really cool. And then little did we know we had a lot of things in common and whatnot. Uh, I went to her fundraiser last year, which was amazing in Washington, D.C. has come back up. So actually, this is perfect timing, actually, for this episode. Um, and I'm so excited. So the next voice you'll hear, Miss Angela Schaefer, will be right back after these messages. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carry out, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road. Open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m. Or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com and you too can be fueled by Zeke's. Are you or someone you love in need of mental health support? For All Seasons is now offering same-day therapy appointments with no wait list. Through the For All Seasons open access program, you can walk in for mental health services and begin therapy in the same visit. For All Seasons accepts all insurances and provides financial assistance if you need it. For therapy, psychiatry, or victim support, we have appointments available today. Call For All Seasons, 410-822-1018. Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We are live and direct in Northeast Baltimore, folks. You know I told you I have the heavy hitters coming on. And so I had to make sure I get the title right. Because my homegirl will make sure I just get it right, okay? Miss <laughs> Angela Schaefer. Hold up. We're going to get the title. The Executive Director of the Fund, Edu- the Fund for Education Abroad. That's right. <laughs> I had to make sure I get it right. How are you feeling today? I feel great. How are you? Thanks for coming out, hanging out. Thank you for having me. Sorry, I'm drinking a little water. It's a little hot. We're going to air conditioning, right. but you know, thank you for hanging out. How have you been? I have been great. I have been great. It's been a busy, busy couple months. How about you? Girl, busy, busy, same thing. But you are busier. You have so <laughs> many great things going on, and I'm excited to share them. What you have going on with international abroad? I met your whole crew. <clears throat> you guys are doing some amazing things in Baltimore and abroad. Thank you. I can't wait to talk about that and discuss it and about the, the, the event that's coming up in December this year. November. November. November oh. 16th. Oh, we're right around the corner. Right around the corner. Even better. We can drop that right before a week before that. It's even better. <laughs> Boom. So tell us a little bit about you. Let's get to know a little bit about you. Are you from Maryland? I am. I'm from Baltimore, Baltimore City. I you hear the accent? In, yeah. I can, I can bring it on and, and take it <laughs> off as needed. Um, I grew up in Hamden. And my parents also grew up there for the most part. Um, my dad, I grew up in about 50 feet from where my dad grew up and about 75 feet from where my mom grew up after she moved up to Hamden from Old East Baltimore, Ashland Avenue. So deep roots in the city. Definitely deep roots, definitely. And so I got to ask, it's a Baltimore thing, folks. Where'd you go to high school? Of course you have to ask that. I went to city, repping my ring. I got I see. my, my see somewhere. Uh, oh, wow. Right. oh wow. She came. Oh wow. She definitely the game's plugged. coming up. You gotta rep. She plugged, definitely plugged. So wow. So you just came with you came with the ring. Oh, you you're ready to go. I like it. The city yep. hat. 
So City High School, one of the best in the city, obviously. Um, what made you want to go there <clears throat> instead of the other school? Not going to say the other school's name because you're closer to the other school. I am, and my father. Right. And to Polly and a bunch of my uncles. Um, so <clears throat> actually what made me want to go to City was the fact that they had an international exchange program. Um, I was not really sure what I wanted to do. And I went to, um, Roland Park for middle school and started exploring high schools and checked all of them out. Um, this was, you know, Baltimore in the mid nineties. So there was not the options that we have now. We didn't have the charters. We had the magnets. Um, and then we had your zone schools. And so I looked at all the schools and I had started taking, so at Roland Park, we had to take Latin and then I took German in seventh grade and then French in eighth grade. I was terrible at French. Mm. <laughs> um, my teacher was like, maybe you should stick to German. And when I went to <laughs> City um, for their open house, um, even though it was a little further away from my, my house, um, it they had the international exchange program options and they really um talked about them at the open house and i talked to some students who had been to germany and so that was kind of what clinched it for me so a girl from baltimore you're going into high school you hear about germany you hear about does it was that the selling point right there was like being state international was yeah, that a that, good selling point for you? That we had to take a language and that, and it wasn't just Germany. They, there was programs at the time to France and I think maybe Costa Rica and City offered Chinese. So it was the fact that they had a lot of different languages. Um, and yeah, that was it. I just was like, I don't know why. I had never been on a plane before, didn't have a passport or anything. <laughs> Nobody in my family traveled. Right. A lot of people were afraid to fly. I don't know what it was. I was just like, you know what? I feel like if I get a chance to go really far away, I should do that. And that's what I was point. thinking. That's what I was getting to. Because I was like, you know, yeah. your family's in rent. And I know a lot of people in Baltimore are like, we'll only Baltimore. This is it. We farthest we go maybe is PA or, you know, New York. That yeah. international. Was your, so did you end up going overseas in high school? I did. I did. <clears throat> so you um, were the first one out of your immediate family to go overseas? Yeah. Yep. Um, my, uh, my family hosted. So the way that city did it was we had this exchange program where students would come, um, particularly for the German program, they would come from a school in Heidelberg, the Bunsen gymnasium. They would come stay with our families and then we would go over and they would host us and city fundraised. And I think the alumni foundation, um, association rather helped a lot with our costs for those of us who couldn't afford it. Cause I was definitely one of those students. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was really just just this exchange and it was I mean it was really interesting right these students were coming from Heidelberg Germany which is this gorgeous town on the Neckar there's this beautiful old castle (laughs) and they're coming to Baltimore in like 1996 (laughs) they are taking the bus from where my classmates all lived around the city you know from from Hamden from Remington from Cherry Hill from West Baltimore, like everywhere, and they're taking the the public bus to City, which is a beautiful building, but definitely not like uh, the the in the nineties. There was some drinking water issues and stuff. You know, some issues. Every city has issues. Yeah, yeah. so I these mean, students Flint still has bad water. Exactly. So, <laughs> so like these students are coming over and experiencing life with us, and they were they were so chill about it. They were like really. I think they just really took everything in, and then we all went over there to to Heidelberg and stayed with their families. Got to see what it was like to live in a different place, and um, that. That was just for me that changed everything so how was it for you <clears throat> leaving to go leave baltimore for like go out the country for the first time for can you remember like how nervous you were like 
were you like freaking out? Like you probably like, I don't like, I'm not gonna like their food. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm living at somebody's house. Like what was like, when you got there, like how did that whole, like before and after, how did it beginning and then change your whole mentality or anything? Um, it was, I mean, I remember being really, really nervous. I do remember my parents coming to, cause remember this is pre, um, nine 11. So you could oh, actually go into the airport and walk right. people to the gates. Right. I remember that happening, but my brothers and my dad being like more interested by the planes and things and what was happening outside <laughs> paying attention to me. Yes. Um, yes. yeah, I remember like packing and just figuring out like, okay, what do I even wear? Like, this isn't really, this was not when it was easy to just pull up on Google, the weather and stuff. Right. There was no Google. Then. No. There so was, you, what was it? How'd you know the weather over there? How did we even know that? It was what our teacher told us and what our what the person who Facts. went with us as the Facts. kind of chaperone and who had organized the exchange told us to pack. So, um, oh. but it was also that experience was just so unique because there was comfort for me in the fact that I was going with other kids from my high school who many of whom were had never traveled before either. Mm. Um, our families hadn't traveled before. We were going kind of as this group, I'm pretty sure at least I would say probably 90% of us were going to become first gen college students. Mm. Um, and you know, it was, it was city that's, I was one of a few white kids that went on the trip, but for the most part, we were all like very much not like our counterparts in Germany. And at the same time, there was just such a bond that had happened because many of them had stayed with us and because we were going abroad together and experiencing all that together. Mm. Um, so really like processing what was <coughs> happening you know, what we were seeing. We were nervous about our language ability. Um, my German is not great now, but I'm sure then it had even more of a Baltimore accent. Mm, you didn't have Google Translate. No, and you didn't just have Google Translate like walking around in your pocket the whole time. So it was a really, um, for me, it was just a very, I was nervous, but I was so glad I did it. It obviously changed my trajectory forever. I love that. I love that. I love that you gave that background because kind of seems like a shape to what you're doing now very much so and that will suck so you get well i know we're gonna fast forward some get through high school college were you now i never asked you this were you, were you international relations in college i was okay that's yeah, what yeah, i yeah. thought that's what i thought i didn't I just listen to and then knowing your job and how do you international relations where'd you go your undergrad uh, I went to Goucher for okay. undergrad. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. I was not planning on it. Um, okay. It was a little closer than I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went there because I got a scholarship and scholarship changed, again, everything I was able to do because then I was I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to go real close for college to where I grew up, then I'm going to go as far away as possible as many times as right. possible. So I got to study abroad while I was at Goucher twice um, and felt very supported by my teacher from high school, Frau Daniker, who really is the reason a lot of that happened at City, and then people at Goucher who were like, yes, go, and we'll help you try to find the funding to do it. <clears throat> I wish that I did abroad, but I never did it. I never did abroad. It's not too late, Aaron. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, so here's the crazy part. This is going to tell you my age. The year of my, so a lot of my friends went abroad either a fall or spring semester. College mm-hmm. is more like spring. So I remember we were thinking about it going to spring semester. And then we were like, oh, well, we can, we can whack and wait another year to go. Because 9-11 was 2001, correct? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, actually, this, this doesn't make sense. So I, 9-11, 9/11 happened. 
And then I was like, yeah, I'm chilling overseas for a little bit. <laughs> I just didn't go. So that's when the world had changed, obviously. But then I went to Anthrop College and enjoyed my life. But um, thinking about it, so where'd you go? Like, tell us the places you went for... So I studied in Copenhagen, Denmark, um, through the DIS program, um, which is one of our partners now at the Fund for Ed Abroad. Oh. Um, so that's been really fun to still make that mm. connection 20-some years later. Um, oh. And then I also studied in South Africa oh. in the summer of 2003 okay. um, through a faculty-led program with Goucher that was also, for me, just extremely transformational. Um, How was that? Because 03 was still like a weird time so- South yeah. Africa. It's like I feel like Mandela was like in like early like like late ninety late late nineties I think. So we're we I were about a uh, decade post apartheid. Yeah, and um, ending and so that was really for our group what we were looking into. It right. was um a like a social policy and inequality program. Right. Um, and I think for me, it was so. Uh, transformational and impactful because, you know, again, growing up in Baltimore, being surrounded by like complicated race relations. I grew up in Hamden, which had its issues and still has its still issues. has issues. We're not so, getting to it. <laughs> no, but it you know, yeah. growing <clears throat> up um, and seeing what that was like in another cultural context, and that despite being you know <laughs> thirty some hour flight. That we were grappling with the same issues. Mm. I was in uh, Cape Town, I was in Grahamstown, and mm. then I was in a rural part of KwaZulu Natal, which is where Durban is located, and did a family stay there. Um, and just not just the similarities in the challenging ways, but also the similarities in the resilience of people and the way that people dealt with some of just the the, the bad things that had happened um, and what they did to kind of overcome some of those and still raise strong families. Um, it, this was also during the, what was going to be considered kind of the big death in South Africa as a result of HIV and AIDS there. Yep. And so we, ha- we worked with um, and studied with, while we were there, a lot of women who were the leaders in their communities. And and um, it was just such a, for me, such a great experience to kind of bring some of that back to Baltimore. I came back with a whole new appreciation for um, the kind of ecosystem of women entrepreneurs in Baltimore, which mm. that's how I know we know a lot of people in common. We do know a lot of people in common. <laughs> Through that <clears throat> little system and, and um, kind of subculture of Baltimore, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the they were both amazing experiences. And my overall experience at Goucher was, was awesome. Um, but the fact that I just got to go so far away and see some of the same things and bring some of those approaches back to Baltimore with me was um, really important. Do you think going to all those experiences that you went to Copenhagen, you've gone to South Africa, um, different, you know, Germany, do you think those all places have shaped to who you are right now with your job? But don't answer that. We'll be right back after these messages. You give to United Way. Your gift could be the first spark of something bigger. It can help someone find, interview for, and get hired for a job and provide follow-up services for success. It can break down educational barriers and give that extra help to a struggling student with in-school support programs. Give today. Spark something bigger. 
Hi, my name is Katherine Womack. I'm a former strategic intelligence officer with the U.S. Navy. I spent the last couple of years at U.S. Cybercom and transitioned from active duty after 15 years into small business ownership. I own and operate a digital marketing agency in the state of Maryland. So a lot of people approach me thinking that digital marketing is simply social media management or maybe doing Google ads or Facebook ads, things like that. But what digital marketing really is, is an umbrella term for a multitude of tactics to get small businesses found by the people who need them. I personally specialize in search engine optimization, website development with conversion architecture in mind. And what that really means is the people are going to your website and doing the thing you need them to do. And oftentimes it's requesting a quote, an appraisal, things like that. So there's definitely a psychology to website development. And we lean really heavy into the psychology of sales to get people to do the things you need them to do. A lot of times as a business owner, you haven't had the time to think about what your needs really are, what your challenges truly are, the, the sources of those challenges. I can guarantee you in most cases, it's not simply that you need an ads campaign and that's where I can add value to your marketing strategy. And folks, we are back. She's dropped some jewels and gems. Makes me want to go Copenhagen to hang out. It's uh, fresh air right. and just uh, beautiful scenery. The Alps over there, Copenhagen. No, Copenhagen is Netherlands. No, Copenhagen is Denmark. Denmark, shit. Yes. I'm all over the country. No, yeah, I'm but all it's over. it's far up it's, north. It's north. They have the Little Mermaid statue there. Yeah, um, it is beautiful. Yeah, not cold in the winter. Great Wait, food scene. I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard that. My see, my favorite place in Europe to go is Barcelona. Ah, I've only been there one time. I'm in love with Barcelona. I'm, a, I'm in love with that place. Like, really? If somebody said, you can go on a trip to Barcelona tomorrow, I would go. You fuck, should study abroad there, Fuck my job. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm going to Barcelona for a week. I mean, the Catalanians, I love them. They're a little difficult. That's all right, though. That's all right. But I And I like Santorini, Greece. Santorini is beautiful. The time stops there. Yes. It does. I don't need that. I don't want to go. Like, so if I didn't want to go to the city, I would go to Santorini. If I wanted to hustle Boston, I'd go to Barcelona. Even though Barcelona reminds me of Miami because it's a yeah. city beach. You know what I mean? Like, the city that, beach. But then they have Las Rambas in the middle, which is like the Times Square for them. That's right. Um, London, I'm good. I don't need to go to London. <laughs> in, in, in Paris, I don't need to go to Paris. Even though the Olympics is going there, I go for that. But I'm good with Paris. Everybody has their places. The French are different. They're different. We're not going to get into that. That's a whole, <laughs> so that's, that's a whole different podcast. We're here for you. We're talking about you. International stuff. So international 
we talked about you've done all this background. I left everybody to high note. You did it, it in, in great in high school, did it in college, went to the mighty Gallagher College. Right. Did it shape you for what that leads you up to what you are right now? Absolutely. Um, like I said, there were people all along that encouraged me and my parents, which was not necessarily like common, I feel like, um, with a lot of people where I grew up, right, that their mm-hmm. parents were like, go, like encouraging them to go do other things. So for me, I am a parent now, and it's made me think about how I can support my mm. kids, um, even if I don't understand why they want to do something or what they're trying to do. It has made me realize that's a really important part of people's pathways. Um, So that's been really, for me, important to have learned and kind of taken. And then obviously with the work I do now with uh, providing students with scholarships, um, I was only able to do any and all of those things because I got funding for it. And uh, I'm very interested in issues of like financial literacy with people and making sure students are making the best decisions for them, but also recognizing that redistribution of wealth is the way we're going to open up a lot of things to a lot of people um, that otherwise wouldn't have these opportunities. And so I, all of that has kind of been a part of my uh, international journey and my educational journey. And it's made me realize that that's important to kind of carry the torch into the future. I love it. So how did you end up at this job as, as, as the executive director? How did you get up there? Because I have a weird <laughs> background. <clears throat> so after college, mm-hmm. um, I started working in study abroad at University of Maryland, go Terps. Yeah. And I got my master's degree while I was working there. Um, again, that financial literacy thing, right? Like I could get tuition remission because I was working there. Right. So it wasn't the wasn't the speediest of degrees I've ever attained, but I done. did it and I did it without a lot of debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while I was studying there, I focused on study abroad and education abroad, global education, and who wasn't being given those opportunities. That was what I did my whole degree and all my research around. Um, after I finished there, I uh, went back to Goucher to work. Goucher at the time was in the process of implementing a study abroad requirement, which was really fascinating, but not without its own challenges, right? Um, so my work there for the next five years was working um, to make study abroad programs possible for students um, and also make sure students had the funding and had the different types of opportunities that met their needs and still allowed them to, to go abroad and obtain their degrees. Um, after that, I worked at an international exchange organization called Cultural Vistas, and that's where my eyes were more open to study abroad and international ed beyond the traditional like junior year abroad like you were talking about. Because a lot of people don't get that opportunity as undergrads. And something I reinforce to our scholars who apply for scholarships with the Fund for Ed Abroad and don't get them or other circumstances prevent them from studying abroad as an undergrad, that that's not it. I've been abroad way more since I went to college as an undergrad than when I was in college. And so there's so many opportunities out there. And Cultural Vistas was where I learned about these professional exchanges, which we're going to get you on one, Aaron. You got to go on one. Um, Listen, you you heard it here, folks. Sign me up. Sign me up. Let's go. Let's go. I know some people. You know some people. Um, All right. So, yeah, I I think that that was where I learned, like, you don't, you know, I feel like people think they have to cram all this stuff into their first let's say 22 23 years if they're on the traditional like 
K through 12 and then undergrad trajectory. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. There's so many opportunities. A couple of years ago, I took a group of, of educators from Baltimore, including several from Baltimore City Public Schools, um, to Rwanda and Mauritius on Ooh. a Fulbright program about decolonizing education. And it was amazing. We were together for a month overseas. Mm. And I think the learning I did there, leading, kind of co-directing, leading the group, and just learning there was oh. like just as impactful as anything I ever did um, while I was only a student abroad, right? Like only responsible for myself. So at Cultural Vistas, I did that, Um, did a lot of professional exchanges, did programs with Japan and India, and a lot of programs funded by the State Department of the U.S. through different embassies around the world. after that, I, you know, I had two little kids. Traveling was getting harder. My spouse was working a lot um, in different places. And so I kind of um, took a step. I don't want to say step back. I took a step to the side like and started looking um, at what kinds of things I had learned through all of those uh, experiences. But that also would allow me a little more flexibility um, while my kids were young and while it was just getting harder and harder for that kind of hustle and bustle and moving places for three weeks at a time with different delegations. And so I started doing more grant writing, which I had done a lot of at Cultural Vistas um, and working with organizations in Baltimore. Um, I was looking at, you know, I was working with organizations that wanted to do more international programming. Mm. Um, So I started on sort of that entrepreneurship path. I was fortunate because I got to meet uh, Tamira Lucas mm-hmm. and Jasmine Sims with Moms as Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through that program, which really, I mean, helped me in so many ways, but it really helped me figure out, okay, what is it I want to do? <clears throat> what is it I need to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and where can I marry these real random, weird experiences of like the international and the fundraising and grant writing? Um and so that was a couple of years I did that. And then I um, have worked in corporate and foundation relations and uh, had this weird experience, these just weird sort of recipes of like the international, both inbound and outbound, and then fundraising and grant writing. And this position came open and I didn't really even think, I was like, ah, they're, I don't know, it's probably not for me. And I applied and... Here I am. I had this strange mixture of experiences they were looking for. <laughs> but you, but that has shaped everything you've done in the past. It's gotten to you where you are. Let's go back to something you said that was wild. Not wild. You did a whole month of educators in Rwanda, a whole month? In Rwanda and Mauritius. Yep, two weeks in Rwanda and two weeks Ooh, in Mauritius. How was that for a whole month? Um, It was amazing it was hard that's what i was thinking um, like yeah, that's hard yeah i wrote so i i did this fulbright proposal with dr eric singer at goucher honestly we submitted it thinking like i mean this was a good experience to write this right because <laughs> right. i always tell people when i'm working with them like grant writing like write the grant even if you don't get it and you you'll learn something from it like the way to go into every application or opportunity you look at is like I just want to leave with a little more experience or a little more background or a little more knowledge than I came into this experience with. So we wrote it thinking like, there's no way in hell, right? This is not going to happen. And then we got a call and it was like, you got this Fulbright. And then I had to tell my husband that I had to leave him right. and the three in the one. Right. For a month. That's <laughs> For a month. Oh, Bye, y'all. 
Um, it's just tough. What's the yeah. experience though? You can't never get back. It was amazing. I mean, <clears throat> we, again, like Rwanda, not unlike, I feel like South Africa. And I went, when I traveled there and had to tell my grandmother I was going and she was like, I was like, I'm going to Cape Town. She's like, is that in New Jersey? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's right. I'll see you in a couple <laughs> weeks. Um, people, you know, had their, their questions about right, it right. and going there was just such, I mean, it was magical. It was amazing. I loved it. Um, I feel like the world could learn so much from um, Rwanda. Like just even the, the craziest, I don't know why this is like what stands out to me so much is that they've done a lot of their like urban landscaping um, and landscape architecture with people's food needs in mind. Hmm. So you could walk down the street to your university um, in Kigali and grab an avocado and a banana and just eat it. Like mm. they've done this so intentionally. It's and it, their community cleanups all the time. Um, I'm not saying that it's without issues. There's nowhere in the world that's perfect, right? That's mm -hmm. definitely one of the things I've learned from traveling. Every place has its issues. Every place has its inequities. Every place has issues of access and right. inclusion. But like the fact that they're trying and they're making these decisions. Um, even about something like that. Like, people are hungry, just Still. make sure they can access food, walk into school. Um, really I don't know. It was really great. That's so dope. That's dope to me. And then we were with a group of, it was some faculty members from Goucher and then um, teachers from different Baltimore City public schools, including City. I had to, had to make sure gotcha. City folk got in there. You got to. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, we, we were able to have these, the kinds of conversations where you can go to conferences and you can go to workshops and you can all meet at school. But, like, the pivotal conversations that happen at, you know, 8 p.m. at night over like a cup of tea or a beer at the mm -hmm. hotel bar where you're just like really grappling with things that you see or like, man, I didn't realize we were doing this at home. Like we should do this instead. And um, getting to see educators especially talk with each other about their, their teaching and, and what it means to truly like try to decolonize and rework curricula so that students can relate to it or learn from it. Um, it was it was just the best experience. It was hard, but it was it was a really really good experience that I do not regret at all. I love that. I love hearing about that. I really do. I, I, now we got to talk offline about all this. I'm I know. excited. I'm <laughs> excited. <clears throat> so let's talk about your big fundraiser coming up, November sixteenth. Uh, let's talk about it. what's going on. So the Fund for Ed Abroad, we have our scholar conference on November 16th in Washington, D.C. It's going to be at the Longview Gallery. This is our biggest fundraiser event of the year. Um, it's a way for us to hang out with our partners, introduce uh, our scholarship recipients, FEA scholars and alumni, um, to donors, to people in education. Um, it's really there for a couple of reasons. We do it to reinforce the importance of study abroad opportunities for everyone, not just people who can afford it mm -hmm. um we do it to reinforce that everybody can be a part of this work and overall access and equity in education um through investments in students via scholarship dollars and we do it to reinforce to the scholars that their stories are worth hearing right. so um it, it's a it allows us to bring people in from different parts of the dmv and otherwise too because people come in from all over for it um and connect with scholars and raise some funding for scholarships which is really <clears throat> what we're we're here to do we're here to take the money and put it in students hands so they can have these opportunities well folks i'll be the first one to tell you i wasn't ready last year i went <laughs> 
I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it. I was like, oh, this is this is this is this is this is real deal. And I heard hearing the young people's stories, hearing them talk was so impactful. And now I'm like, wow. I'm like, all right, now we can run it back. Now, now I kind of understand a little bit more. And I was thankful. Thank you again for the yeah, opportunity. Of I think um, those opportunities are far beyond for like a lot of people to see what's going on out here. We thank you and your organization what you guys are doing. Thank you. Because a lot of people you said aren't financially can't do it. Yeah. And let's be honest, it's expensive to go overseas. Some people barely can put food in their place at home. You know, some right. people live in check to check here in the United States. They want to send somebody overseas. But I always said, like, kind of like you said, you get so much education going over there. You, you understand what life's all about. It makes you wonder, like, I want to be better. When I get back, I'll make sure I can come back here. Right. And get inspired. And if you don't have the opportunity, then you won't know. Um, what City High School has, do you, you guys work with City High School on this? Like with your company, do you guys work with them abroad? Or is this, you're more like international for everybody. Yeah. Like, fun, are, you, are, you every, like, are you everybody? Fun for Ed Abroad is for, so specifically <clears throat> we support undergraduates College, doing okay. kind of the more traditional College. undergrad study abroad experience. Okay. Um, but we, in future years, hope to work a little bit with K through 12 and with grad schools. It's all a matter of like funding, funding limitations, because we're the only philanth- fully philanthropic organization doing this work for study abroad scholarships nationwide. Wow. So we're very interesting sort of niche organization in that way but we do want to grow um locally i um am a huge fan of be more global and they work with uh different schools in baltimore city including patterson park public charter school mm-hmm. um to help fund students uh in k-12 through in baltimore going abroad so um be more global. I know they're having an event in December that I'm going to plug really quickly. They do mm-hmm. like a 5K and do a um, homebrew contest. Oh, it's wow. really fun, but you also get to hear the students' stories. And again, I think that it was so for me. It was so important for that seed to be planted in my high school years. And if it had been planted even earlier, you know, who knows um, what would have happened. But I think that's really important, and that's something that FEA we do. Um, we'll do like info sessions for high schools. We're having more people reach out to us. We also have a number of board members that are doing really interesting stuff in the K through 12 sphere with, uh, with study abroad and international ed. Um, Dr. Eric Green, he's the superintendent of Jackson Public Schools in Mississippi, mm. and he's on our board. And he uh, just got back, I believe, from Nigeria. He, mm. he has a program with Jackson Schools and Baltimore City Public Schools that connects students to um, students overseas. And so there is some great, like, I think that's what I love about FEA's work, despite the fact that our scholarships at this time support undergrads we have these connections because of the work we do where we get to learn about all these amazing initiatives and people trying to position international ed not as a privilege but as something that everyone who wants to pursue should have the opportunity to pursue and that's where for me it comes in that it shouldn't just be these you know, four traditional years of college, whatever that looks like for you, that we can expand to students younger than college and folks, it should be lifelong learning. It should be a part of lifelong learning wherever it fits in your spectrum of life. So, and that's why you're going to go sometimes. Hey, sign me up, (laughs) sign me up. You know, I'm I'm not going to, I love, I love everything you're talking about. And like, what is so like, if somebody wants to find you guys on your websites, what is the website plug? 
Are you guys on IG? Are you on social media or your LinkedIn? Like the girl, you know, I mean, I don't know. So many different things. Where, where can we find you guys? We're everywhere. We're okay. on the web at fundforeducationabroad.org. Um, we're on Instagram and Facebook at FEA Scholarships. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. We're as an organization on LinkedIn. You can follow us there at Fund for Education Abroad. Um, and we are pretty active on social media. We're a team of three full-time people. So wow. we are busy, busy, busy. Um, but we have amazing interns and we prioritize our our scholars students who received our scholarships uh for our internships to keep them engaged um and we have amazing uh trustees and lots of partners that help us get the word out so how many scholarships do you guys give out a year for over abroad uh we give out about so obviously i was hired after 2020 when things yeah. just took a big hit and nobody yeah. was going nobody anywhere was for a long anywhere. time right. um, but we're back up to around 120 to 140 scholarships a year it's always wow. dependent on how much funding we can raise wow. um, and the majority of our students are so we support students with financial need who um, with priority going to community college students BIPOC students and first gen college students mm. and our stats are very flipped on who's actually going abroad we legit just are flipping it with the statistics we have for our students, um, which we're really proud of. So um, in that about 120 to 40-ish a year, um, about 37% are community college students, over 80% are BIPOC, and over 75% are first-gen college students typically, which we're really proud of, and all have financial need of some sort. So folks, there's no excuses. You can apply for a thing. There are so many things out here. There are. For our young people to get to. I'm looking over here. I'm looking over you. I'm looking at you over here. <clears throat> First year community college. You know, I'm, I'm looking over here. You can get across. But again, I like hearing that because that's very important. And to get that exposure, that's very important. And to get some financial money to go over there, why not? Why wouldn't right. you? Why wouldn't you not do that? Right. I like hearing that. What's, what, was you, what, was, what do you want to leave people with? What do you want to leave people mm. with? As far as about what your company and whatnot, or, or the mission, or just whatever. I mean, you, you dropped a lot of jewels and gems. You dropped a lot, so. Um, I know I talk a lot. No, you I get it from my mom. Um, <laughs> so I think what I would leave people with is an invitation to get to know us a little bit beyond what we do directly with scholarship support. We do support students before, during, and after they go abroad. Mm-hmm. And we're really um, trying to also flip the script a little bit on how philanthropy is done. Mm. Philanthropy can be wonderful. It can also be really problematic. So the vendors we choose to work with, um, the ways that we're changing our scholarship application so that it's more our program is more accessible and our funding is more accessible, all of those things are things we talk about a lot. The fact that we're taking into account student loans as an indicator of need and not not just what the FAFSA says for like an EFC and things like that. All of those are things that I think make us really unique and um, that show that we have kind of an innovative approach uh, to philanthropy and to the work we're doing in the scholarship sector. So I would invite people to to get to know us in that way. Um, I want everybody to come to our gala. It's a really fun party. The date again? November 16th in Washington, D.C. at the Longview Gallery. Where can they buy tickets? They can buy tickets at fundforeducationabroad.org uh, slash events. Um, we still have sponsorship opportunities available. It's a great way to get your business in front of, what, 300 people came last year? Yeah, it was packed house. I mean, it, but it was, it was the right room. Yeah. It's it's, like, you give a thousand people at a party, an event, but if it's 
not the right room, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But you had thrown people in the right room. Yeah. And I met a lot of great people that night. And they, and I actually still talk to him to this day. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. that's how important those type of things are. And that's why I, th- I don't know if I've ever told you that. But yeah. Thank I you. I'm so happy him. about that. I still connect with a lot of people because it was just really good at different spheres of work that they do. And it's very interesting, you know, you know, the podcast guy. But then they're like, oh, you are you legit? So it was like, yeah. once you get past like the podcast, it's like, oh, you, but so. That, it was definitely a great networking um, thing. A great, great. The food was amazing too. Thank you. Shout out to the food. Was, food was, food was good. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but no, I, I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to go this year and support you and your team. Thank you. And really shout out what you guys are doing. Um, but you're not getting off the easy. You speed round. All right. You're not letting you I'm off the easy. Chicken wings, flaps, or drums? Drums. Drums. I know. Drums. I'm, I'm not going to hold it against you. I know. Blue cheese or ranch? Blue cheese. All right, all right we're back. We're back on it. Okay. <laughs> Crabs or crab cakes? Crabs. Yes, you don't bother. You Crabs know. are social. They crab are. Crab cakes are too proper. They are. <laughs> I, I like to eat and not have my cell phone in my hand. That's right. Let's talk. You know what I mean? Um, if you could name your top three music artists you would see a concert, dead or alive, who would you want to see? Oh, gosh. Um... Oh man, uh, that are alive now, or, or dead or dead or alive. Ooh, dead or alive. Dead or alive. That's a big um, group. I uh, got to see Tribe Called Quest. Ooh. They were way high up. Um, R.I.P. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. Five. I yeah. Five, four, yeah. Um, I got to see. Uh, let's see. Last year I went. <laughs> I went and saw. New Kids on the Block, Salt and Pepper, and En Vogue, who are all a tie in my mind. I get that. They were I amazing. That. I get that. I would highly I, recommend. I get that. Um, and I think the one act I didn't get to see that I really wish I could have was Nirvana. I can get that. I can get, I can get Nirvana. Sixth grade flannel. Did you wear? Did you wear the um, Doc Martens too? Uh, eventually. <laughs> And now all my little cousins dress just like I did it's when I was. That grunge look. That was, was that real flannel. Like I was wearing flannels back in the day. Yeah. That, that was that was actually a good look though. It was. I thought. Yeah. And I'm, it's coming back hard. You could. You we could still rock it again. I'm rock. I'm buying flannels all winter. Yeah. Flannels and hoodies all winter. They're winter. back. I like that. I like that. Summer or winter. Summer. Okay. I'm a cancer. It's in my blood. Oh, yeah, I forgot. We are. We are I'm June. 20, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Um, if. What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh gosh, the best advice I ever received. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> in the moms is okay, this is funny. Um, and I promise I think I'm an okay mom. You're fine. But in the moms is entrepreneurs program, mm-hmm. it was like a couple hours a week. Mm-hmm. We would set aside and we'd all meet for our class. And uh Tamara and Jasmine. Shout out to Tamara. Yeah. These were okay, so this was like a really stressful time. I had two little kids. I wasn't <clears throat> sure where my career was gonna go because it was kind of like doing all these weird, you know, pathways and intersections and then offshoots. And I was just like, oh, I just feel like I don't like have time to think about this stuff because I'm always worried about everybody else. And Tamara and Jasmine were both like, everybody's gonna be fine. Don't worry about it right now. Like if you if they want if they're hungry They'll figure it out. Like, you know, just like you, you got to take time for yourself to figure yourself out and remember that you are a person beyond your immediate responsibilities uh, sometimes with parenting. And I just really needed to hear that at that time. And guess what? Everything's 
worked out. <laughs> and the last one, this is a new one. I haven't you? I guess I know because I, I had to wait for you for this one because I know you will. It's a good one for you. Superhero or villain? Ooh. I feel like we learn more from the villains, right? I started out. We there. learn more from the villains. And yes, superheroes do turn into villains sometimes, but it's so much better when the villains turn into superheroes. I always thought Batman was a villain, actually. I mean, he's got some villain tendencies for sure. I always thought he was a villain, really. Is he really? You never know. This is why they're, they're so close to each other. Yeah. Well, and working in philanthropy, Bruce Wayne and Batman are a whole other podcast to explore. A whole different explore. <laughs> well, again, plug everywhere. November 16th, you can buy tickets up to now. We'll have this episode out before November 16th. Yay! Again, we'll have it somewhere in my notes. Make sure you go check them out. Please come to D.C., my D.C. friends. Let's hang out. Let's meet up for drinks. Let's go support a great cause. Thank you, Miss Angela, for hanging out on this Notebooks Here Dark podcast. We truly appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right, folks. Love, peace. We're out.